I want you to know we are, every Sunday, I think we are depending on the Holy Spirit and His leading today. Uh, It is that same way. We are depending upon the Lord, His Holy Spirit, and His leading, kind of in a different kind of way than what is normal. Because uh, as the weather forecast came yesterday and then as the day wore on and into the evening, I was feeling very strongly to lay aside my sermon that uh, was planning to preach uh, on the vision statement and just talk to you a little bit about God's Word and uh, the benefit of being a student of God's Word. Uh, We have been encouraging you over these last couple of weeks to be reading God's Word. And praise the Lord, we have given away 300 Bibles... Uh, to our church members, and I'm, I'm so happy about that. And as we get into God's Word, and, and for some of you that is not anything new. It's something that you have done uh, for quite some time. That has been your habit. And, and so you are just continuing that habit that you have in the Word of God. Maybe for others it's a brand new habit. And uh, as I think about our church family as a whole, getting into the Word of God and reading it and and, uh, having that Word speak to us, I'm just excited about what could happen in our lives as these days go by. I want to encourage you to be a part of this movement of being in God's Word. Uh, If you haven't picked up a Bible yet, we have more Bibles out there today that you can pick up and and you can jump in on day 15 and begin reading. And uh, I, I've looked, uh, even this morning, after reading the passage of Scripture for today, we've read 31 chapters in Genesis, 12 chapters in Matthew, 9 chapters in Psalms, and 1 chapter in Proverbs. And I think, surely, God is speaking to you as He is to me. Yesterday, I did a little bit of extra reading. Uh, Psalms 119, if you're familiar with that particular chapter, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, and I read that particular chapter twice yesterday, knowing that the entire chapter is on the Word of God and the benefits that we receive by being in the Word. I, I made a list of some of those benefits Let me share some of them with you. And as I finish that, I've asked five of my very good friends and uh, guys in this church to be willing to come up and share with you what they have been challenged with, something they have been blessed by in their reading over these last two weeks. And so you're going to hear from several fellows besides me today, and then I'll wrap it up. Uh, But from Psalms 119, verse 11, the psalmist says, There is victory for us who are in the Word of God. Victory over sin. Uh, He actually said that he had treasured the Word of God in his heart, and from that he received victory over sin. Now, we all need victory over sin, don't we? Uh, we're all tempted. We're all uh, brought face to face with, with uh, the evil one and what he is tempting us to do. And 
if we get into the Word of God and we fill our minds and our hearts and we let that truth wash over us, it will help us in our battle against temptation. That is exactly how Jesus faced temptation as he was in the wilderness. You remember, three times he was tempted by the devil and every single time he answered that temptation with Scripture. He said, it is written. And then he quoted Scripture. You want to have victory in your life over sin? Then get into the Word of God and let it become a part of you. Let the Word become a part of you. Verse 28 of Psalms 119 says, God's Word gives us strength. Let me read that verse to you. It says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your Word. Sometimes... We get weary with sorrow, don't we? We have the, the weight of the world, the, the conflicts and, and, and times of, of difficulty come up on us. And we can be strengthened in our inner being as we turn to the Word of God. Verse 43 of Psalms 119 says, It is the truth. And we all need the truth. As you are in the Word of God in this year to come, you know, you're going to come to a better understanding of what the truth is. And you may hear other people talk. You may hear the the talk that comes from the TV or from the radio. And you may be able to discern better what you are hearing as to whether it is the truth or not based on what you're reading in the Word of God. We all want to know the truth. We can better know the truth by being in the Word of God. Verse 45 talks about freedom, that the Word of God frees us. And that's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, if you know the the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. And so, you want real freedom? You're going to find real freedom through the Word of God. And the weight of the world can be lifted as you are in the Word of God. Verse 47, verse 77, there are several verses in Psalms 119 that the psalmist talks about the Word of God being His delight and His joy. We all need joy. As you are in the Word of God, it brings joy to you. Verse 50 and 52, it brings comfort to you. We need that. Verse 66, it brings knowledge and good judgment. Verse 89 says, His Word is eternal. It stands firm. We live in a world where things just oftentimes are topsy-turvy. And one minute it's one way and another minute it's another way. And the Word of God, though, is eternal. It is the same today, yesterday, and forever. It does not change. The heavens may come undone, the Scripture says, but God's Word will stand forever. As you are a student of God's Word in these days to come, It's going to help you plug in to that which is eternal. That's a good thing. It brings revival to our souls, says verse 93. I'll quote that verse for you. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have 
revived me. I have a footnote there next to the word revive. It's kept me alive. God's word keeps us alive spiritually. If you try to exist without the word of God, spiritually, you will die. You can't. It's like trying to exist physically without eating. You cannot exist spiritually without taking in the Word of God into your life. And as you do, it brings life to you. It brings revival to you. Verses 98 and 99, it brings wisdom and insight. Verse 104, it brings understanding. Verse 105, it is a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 92, this is a verse that I actually texted to a couple of people yesterday who are going through trials in their life. This is what it says. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Think about that. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. We all go through affliction. From time to time. And it's the word of God that can get us through those times of affliction. If you are a student of God's word, as these days go by, then down the road, when an affliction comes to you, whatever it may be, a big one or a little one, you can receive comfort amidst that affliction through the word of God. It teaches us what is right and wrong. It gives to us great peace. Let me read to you verse 165 of chapter 119. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. We need God's peace. It comes through His Word. That's one of the avenues through which He gives to us His peace. Verse 171, my lips overflow. It says, may my lips overflow with praise for you teach me your decrees. You know what? I think as we become a people of the book in 2017, it's going to show up on the words that come forth from our mouth. We're going to be more praise like. We're going to give more praise to him. We're going to be more optimistic. We're going to be more Encouraging to those around us simply because the Word of God is being hidden into our heart. And Jesus said, that which is in the heart comes out of the mouth. And so, as we put God's Word in, good words are going to come out. That's what God's Word can do for you, and that's why we're encouraging you to be a people of the book in 2017. I want to ask uh, these fellas to come to the stage. Greg first, Greg Motley, uh, and Kevin Addington will be after that, Lance Dirks, Mike Fields, and Ian Johnson. Those are the five guys you're going to be hearing from. Well, it was, um, it was 1986. I was 30 years old and had a uh, wife and three kids and a responsible job and our pastor started speaking on the Christian disciplines uh, on prayer 
on reading the scripture and fasting, among other things, and I was quite irritated by the whole thing because I was doing really none of those things. Um, and I was frustrated by that, and the, and the sermons kept reminding me of my failure. And, and I was a very performance-oriented young man. I had succeeded academically. I succeeded in my career. I, uh, I woke up every morning trying to figure out how to please all the people around me, my boss, my spouse, my kids. And I was running fast, and I um, had an intimacy deficit in my life because I was living by the law, even though I was saved by grace. Uh, and if you remember chapter 2 of Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having started with faith, are you trying to end with the law? And, and that performance orientation just wouldn't leave me. And I was frustrated because I couldn't pray and I couldn't read the scripture. And so um, uh, the pastor just challenged me, just pray for God's help. And I thought, well, that's pretty simplistic, but okay. And so I prayed, God, if you want me praying every day, you want me to read the scripture, you're going to have to do it for me because I can't. And uh, the sermon that he preached on fasting, I decided I was going to do that. And I didn't listen very closely, apparently, because I was a very bad pastor. And uh, I ate a big meal before um, I started fasting. And then I ate a really huge meal after I came off the fasting, which wasn't very helpful. Uh, but for three days, I started having intimacy with Jesus. Jesus, I want you more than I want food. Jesus, I want you. And intimacy began to be birthed into my heart and life for the Savior. And my prayer life expanded. And my devotional, I, God woke me up every morning at 5.30 beginning then. And I started praying and having true intimacy with him and reading the word. I couldn't get enough of the word that the, the time would end too fast. Uh, the first year I read through the Old Testament twice and the New Testament four times. And um, that time uh, has made the biggest impact on my life of anything else. Reading those, the scripture and, and praying uh, every morning. How performance oriented was I? I lip-synced the words to hymns because I didn't think I was a very good singer. And I didn't want people around me knowing it. So I just, you know, did the Mariah Carey thing. Um, I, w I was given a, an adult Sunday school class because uh, uh, I was uh, an elder in the church and uh, they gave it to me it had 12 people and my wife uh, and I joined it and through hard work and a lot of study and a lot of effort I'd worked that class all the way down to 8 people and, uh, <laughs> um, but God in his mercy also delivered me from sin that I used as a substitute for intimacy. Uh, it's just private addictions that I used as a poor substitute for the intimacy I needed with the Savior that I could only find in prayer and God's word. How's that played out uh, this week? Um, I don't know if you uh, remember the story in Genesis chapter 15. It's one of my favorites. It, it really drives at the heart of this performance versus grace issue. Abram, before his name was changed, uh, God visited him and said, I'm going to make you a, a great nation, You're, you and your descendants, and I'm going to give you this land that you lived in. Now, that, that was a hard message for Abram because he had no kids. Uh, he, was old, he was old and his wife was barren and she was a, a older. 
and he owned not one square inch of land in that place where he was living. Uh, so he, there, he had no understanding of how this was going to happen. And he said, how can this be? How can this be? Legitimate question. And, and God told him that he was going to bless him and make a covenant with him. And then he did something. God did something that was very unique to that culture. He had Abram take several animals and cut them in half and divide the halves. And then uh, God, uh, in the form of a smoking pot and a torch, walked through those divided animals to make a covenant with Abram, saying, this will be because it is my word. And the, and the thing about that, the, the reason the animals were split was the message, be it unto me, like these animals, if I break this covenant. And you know what? God didn't have Abram walk through those animals. Only God walked through and made the covenant unilaterally. I do this for you. I give this for you. I make this covenant for you. And you have to do nothing. And I just, again, released. You know, you kind of have to watch uh, these old sins that they kind of creep back in and moving to a new place and new town. You want people to like you. You want people to know you. You're worried about what they think. And that performance thing starts roaring up again. But God used that scripture in Genesis 15 again this week to remind me, unilaterally, he is with me. I am saved by grace. I will walk by grace and and towards God. Thank you. So my family started coming to this church in 2008, and uh, over the years, we've gotten a lot of support, a lot of prayer support from everybody here. So first of all, I just want to say thanks for all of that. Uh, I was talking to Jennifer last night, and I told her Kevin had uh, given me the opportunity to share a little bit today. He said three or four minutes. I said, I'm going to buy him some tickets for a KU game where he can sit courtside, center court, but he's got to leave. As soon as warm-ups are done, it's about the same thing. So that's coming. So as far as Bible reading goes, um, I started a plan last Easter. Uh, just took my Bible, said here's how many pages are in it, and I'm going to read cover to cover from Easter to Easter. I just came out of a discipleship group with some guys, and we'd, you know, we'd finished a few months before, but I didn't want to lose the momentum that I'd gotten through that. So I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So fast forward to just a few weeks ago, I was reading through Isaiah, and I came across Isaiah 41.10. It's been one of my all-time favorites, one that I've fallen back on so many times. You guys who know our family know some health issues that Jennifer's had. But it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I read... I read it, and I thought, huh, I need to go back and read that again. So I did, and then I sat there and thought about it for a little bit. And again, this is one that I've had memorized for years. And I thought, why am I spending so much time on this? So then let's fast forward a little bit farther to December 30th. My mom went into the hospital with double pneumonia, and she didn't really get any better, so she had to be transferred to a hospital in Springfield. And... When she got there, they had to sedate her. Um, they had to give her, put her on the ventilator. So then last Sunday, we got news that 
they woke her up, took the took her off the ventilator. Things were good. She was coming around, so we made the trip down there. Um, thought, you know, each day she's going to get a little bit better. Well, then Monday, they had to put her back on the ventilator because she couldn't breathe on her own. So sitting there thinking, good grief. And the way my brother put it, some of his co-workers said, well, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm just getting strapped in for this roller coaster ride. So and that's kind of what it's been like. So that happened Monday. Then Tuesday, I was on my way to lunch. And Jennifer called and said, Kevin, Mom just had a stroke, and they're taking her to the hospital. I said, are you serious? And so she was. Ended up going up to the hospital. And I remember saying, I, you know, it's just like when you go through that, everything just feels like it's caving in on you. You feel the heaviness. And I remember saying, God, I know you're here. And that's all I could say just over and over and over. I didn't know what else to do, what else to say, but I just said, God, I know you're here. I kept going back to the Isaiah 41.10. So a huge benefit for me of reading the Bible is just when these things have happened, I've had verses to fall back on. And it's like that's how God's communicated with me. And I know that the more I read, the more I have God's word in my heart. And that's what I want to do is continue to read over and over and over. So when things come up with me or with other people, then I know where to go. I know what to do. We were sitting in the hospital the morning of my mother-in-law's surgery, and Jennifer came up and said, Kevin, where's this? I want to read it to Mom. So I'd say, okay, it's here. And then I was able to direct her for, to a couple other places. But as far as how it's impacted my family on these new Bibles, Kathy, she had just made the flight up to Kansas City. And it was terribly windy that day, bounced all over the place. And she had her Bible with her. And she said, well, this is my new Bible. I'm on day 19. I'm reading ahead. I just want everybody to know where I'm at. So yeah, you got somebody that's going through what she was, and she was talking about her Bible. And then with Jennifer and Brittany, they sit down together at night, and they read their Bible, whatever the daily reading is, and then they discuss it. Sometimes they let me be a part of it. Sometimes they say, you already know this you need to you know be quiet for a little bit but um to hear them talk about that talk about the bible and what they're learning is way better than you know some of the stuff they could be talking about the drama that goes along with teenage girls and their moms and if you've had teenage daughters you know what i'm talking about um so it's been a it's been a huge blessing already just in the first few weeks of this year just with these new bibles I can tell you as a dad and a husband, there's nothing that can make me happier than to see my family pursuing this relationship with Jesus. So um, I just got a text from Jennifer, so I want to read it real quick. If you guys give me just a second. Okay. This was just a few minutes ago. She said, start praying for good roads. We're discharging today. So, thank you. I'm thankful for the leadership of this church that has seen that this would be a good idea and has bought these Bibles and handed them out to us. It's a blessing to us because... The thing that I've been looking at has been starting to read again is our Christian life is lived out in reality. 
And sometimes reality just ain't real purdy. And uh, I wished it was all the time. Uh, I think you, many of you know our story a little bit, where we come from. And, and coming through all of that, I had been a minister for 19 years. And I had my Bible, and I had it well marked, and I had all that stuff there. But when I got hit in the face with some of that, that Bible became repulsive to me. And when I'd open that, I'd just get this sick feeling. And so it got hard and harder and harder to even open. I bought a different Bible. And I guess you would say I really hadn't really got to reading like I would like to be in my life until now again. I got this Bible. And it kind of jump-started me again. And I'm thankful for that, for the insight of this church. Because without this Bible, there's no way to really look into the presence of God and really see Him. And there's really no way for Him to look inside of me and see who I really am. The other part that I'm thankful about, as I started reading these scriptures and reading the Old Testament, I don't know why the Old Testament has, that part has in, inspired me more than anything. And I started reading, you know, at their first, and I'm about to day 20, I started a little early. But first day, Adam and Eve, and Eve, Eve made a mistake, blew it. And her children, one of them killed the other one. And the thing just continued. Finally, the whole world was destroyed. And then there's Noah. Finally, there's Adam. Adam, and he was finally called Abraham. And he's the man we call the man of faith. But when they couldn't have children, Sarah says, well, here's my handmaid. You can, you can have her. He says, oh, God. <laughs> you know, uh, and then uh, when he, uh, Isaac wasn't no more born and with Hagar, and then there was Hagar and Ishmael, and they all started fighting. So there were a lot of problems there. And then with Isaac and, and Rebecca, finally there was Rebecca. She wasn't, she was, she liked this one child more than the other. She liked it. Esau and Jacob, and she, she preferred Jacob. And then they had fights and problems. I mean, this is reality. This stuff ain't all that pretty. I'm glad that when God wrote this Bible and put it together, that he didn't edit all that stuff out of there. He could have. He could have wrote a, a Bible that would make us all look quite nice. And normally in religious circles, we have a lot of things we say and nice little speeches and stuff. That ain't the way this Bible is reading to me. It's got some pretty bad stuff going on in here. You know, uh, as I've been reading that, though, you know, it encourages me that, you know, God uses these kinds of people. People that have made mistakes. People that have went the wrong way at times. 
people that just fell on their face at times. And you know, I feel that way sometimes. I fell on my face. I didn't do right. I look at my children and I say, I'm so sorry that they have to bear all this because of me. But you know, then I look again. This is the kind of people God is going to use. And this encouraged me as I was reading these scriptures. God's looking for one man to stand for truth. And, it, and that one man and that one woman is you and me. And one man here in this family and one man over there and one man there. And that's what he's looking for. And as I read these scriptures, I'm encouraged that maybe he could even use me. So uh, my wife, Bethany, she has this, this incredible heart for justice um, to happen all around the world. If there's something going on, whether it's in America or somewhere overseas where she's never even been, if she's reading an article or she sees something on TV about it, you know, typically she's just so sweet, but she sees that and a fire lights under her, she will, she'll start crying sometimes. She just, the, the affliction that sin has had on this world uh, it just breaks her heart. It's something I look up to her for. Uh, recently, she went on a trip to the Dominican Republic. She had never been before, uh, but she learned of the opportunity through a mutual friend, and she just said, well, when, when can I go? Like, what do I need to do to do that? She's so, she's so eager to help hurting people, and I just love that about her. So it didn't uh, surprise me several nights ago uh, when she started to get emotional as we were reading. Um, and the way that I've been blessed specifically through uh, this reading we've all been doing together happened kind of early on. Uh, and Bethany and I, we try to read every night together uh, when we're going through this Bible that we're all going through. Um, and she was reading the end of Genesis 2. And, uh, you know, the very last couple verses say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And she pauses there, and she starts getting emotional. I'm like, are you, are you Okay. And she says, I wish I could just stop right there. I wish I could just stop reading. I wish that that was it. Like that's, it would end right there and that's how it would have always been. And you know, the reason she's doing that is because she knows that Genesis 3 is next and that's, that's where sin shows up. That's where the serpent shows up and that's where brokenness enters the world and that's something that just hurts her. And, you know, and she said that it hit me too and so we read through Genesis 3 and and it's heavy on us. And, you know, it's, I mean, it is easy to read through that chapter of the Bible and get kind of bummed out. And, you know, the, the thing I've been probably most blessed by in this reading is not so much one particular verse or passage, but the way that it's been structured for us to read through. Because we finish that chapter and we feel this weight, uh, you know, of, of sin and brokenness on us and what man has done to mess everything up. But then the next passage that we read is in Matthew and it happens to be the birth of Jesus. And as we read through that, you know, a smile just kind of broke on my face because I, I just think of the thing that God says when, you know, Eve has messed up in sin and Adam uh, has also messed up in sin. And, and God says to the servant, serpent, I'm going to create enmity between you and the woman and your offspring and her offspring. And though you bruise his heel, he will crush your head. And that's just so exciting to me to, to think that 
Adam, you know, one man, he allowed sin to enter the world. And because of that, we are all sinful now. And because of that, everything's kind of messed up. I really do believe that. I believe that everything that is wrong with this world is a result of man's sin. Um, I really do believe that. But it's so cool to know that there is another man, just one man who came and through him, grace entered the world. And through that, we're saved. And I've been trying to think of a way to kind of illustrate that. But honestly, the awesome thing about scripture, as we've learned, is it's kind of the best way to illustrate things. And I just want to read this passage to you. Uh, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin was indeed in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more has the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's, that was just going through my head the whole time we're reading about the birth of this child, this Messiah, you know, and I just thought it's so cool to, you know, right after we read about the fall of man, we read about, you know, the redemption of man. And that's just something I've been blessed by is the realization that Adam's sin cannot stand up to the grace of Christ. It never can. And it says right here, you know, when sin increases, grace is going to abound all the more. God's grace just works more fastly, more quickly than sin could ever work. And I just think that's important to remember. And it's appropriate that right after this passage in Romans comes Romans 6 where Paul says, you know, we're, we're those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You know, when we're baptized into Jesus, we're, we're baptized into his death and therefore raised with him in the same way. And it's just an incredible thing to remember. So I hope you remember that, that we sin and the world's broken and we've messed up. But man, God's grace is so much more strong than even the worst of our sins. So. So, uh, so, so you know that uh, Kevin and I are good friends, and uh, he's one of my best friends, and he's an excellent role model for, for us, and uh, he's, the guy's just solid, if you know him at all, and if you don't, do yourself a favor and get to know him, get to know him, um, and Cindy supports him, and she's always there, and she has to do a lot of things by herself because he's gone so much, so, uh, man, we're blessed to have them here um, to pastor this church, so, but, yeah, Sometimes at the end of service, um, you'll see him walking around and greeting people. And, 
And at times he'll come up and he'll ask me difficult questions. And he knows that he has permission to do that in my life. We're, we're friends. And so sometimes I haven't done something that I should be doing. Or sometimes I, I feel guilty because maybe I haven't been in the Word. And I know maybe he's going to ask me that question. How are you doing, right? How's your prayer life? How's your spiritual life? And so sometimes it's kind of like that, that maybe there's somebody you know who, who has asked you to do something and you haven't gotten it done. You see them in the, in the store, right? And, and, and they're in the produce aisle and you're like, I don't want to deal with that right now. So all of a sudden you've got to go check and check on a new set of tires, right? Like, uh, so, so that's kind of how it feels sometimes. But, but when I go out here and he'll come up to me and he puts his arm around me and he says, I love you. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't say anything like that. It's just, he just loves me anyway when I fail. And uh, so it, it, I think that God's type like that, right? Um, with these Bibles, uh, I, I think that uh, it, is, it has jump-started me. There have been times when I know I should be in the Word. I've been successful reading. But then I think I've, I've been doing well. I can take a day off, right? I think sometimes when we're successful in something, we think we can take a day off. Except for CrossFitters. Those people never take a day off. Right? So, uh, yeah, sometimes I take that day off, but it extends, right? It becomes longer than a day. It becomes a week. It becomes a little bit longer. And then I need someone to nudge me. And Kevin's good about that. He just has a knack for knowing when it's necessary. He'll just nudge me and put me right on the right path. But these, these Bibles that we've been given, they've, uh, they've, they've got a plan. And it's easier for me to sit down with my wife. And, and read. And that's what we've been doing in the mornings when we wake up, we'll get together and, and we'll read a little bit. And Rachel told me uh, that, that she's been encouraged by that, that she feels more loved because of that. And to be honest, I don't know that I've done anything different, um, but I think it's just perspective. But uh, what's the difference? You know, she, she feels like I've changed, and maybe I have. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I realized, too, by not being involved uh, with my wife in reading that I wasn't fulfilling my job as the spiritual leader, right, in the house. And uh, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I, I realized I was failing to do that. I think sometimes maybe she just wants to read together because she doesn't want to read the genealogies, right? <laughs> so... You know, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hamites, the Amorites, the Stalactites, the Mosquito Bites, and all of those things, right? Uh, I think that's why she wants me to read with her, I'm pretty sure. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes God gives us assignments, right? Sometimes we fail and sometimes we're successful. But every time, he'll meet you in the hallway. He'll put his arm around you and say, I love you. Thank you. Thanks to these guys who have spoken to us from their hearts. Uh, I will wrap this up just shortly. I, I know there have been some who've been reading extra. I think uh, Lance said he was to day 20. I, I talked with one person who said that his goal was to read through the Bible twice this year. Uh, you know, for a lot of us, we may be I'm, I'm just going to do good to keep up. And, and that's, that's okay. Uh, May we be students of God's Word. I actually did a little extra reading yesterday, uh, actually preparing for a men's group that I lead on Monday night. And I read from Psalms 118, 
verses 8 and 9. And these are, these are the two verses that I want to kind of wrap things up with and, and have a few comments about. Uh, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You know, in light of our present political situation, these verses stood out to me. Because I think they could read, it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in Barack Obama. It is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in Donald Trump. And and I'm sure a group this size, we all have different thoughts, different views, different opinions about the one who's coming out of office and the one who's getting ready to be into office. But I hope this is where we can be in agreement. From Psalms 118, it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. Amen? Amen. Barack Obama is not our Savior, nor is Donald Trump. We have only one Savior. That is Jesus, and that is His Heavenly Father, the Lord God Almighty. And that's where we put our hope. God is the one who can heal our land. You know, here in a few days, we're going to inaugurate our 45th president of this United States. And and as we think about that, we hope, we hope that he will be wise. We hope that he will make right decisions. We pray, we pray to God that he would learn some self-control. You know, and we kind of chuckle about that, yes, but boy, is that ever serious. Is that ever, I say that with the most serious intent. He needs to learn some self-control with his mouth and with his tweets and with his reactions to people. Uh, He needs our prayers desperately. And if he learns self-control, that will indeed be a miracle. (laughs) But it is our responsibility to pray for him. And to pray for all of our government leaders. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first two verses of that chapter say. That it is our responsibility as God's people to pray for those in office. And so, may we be faithful in doing that. May we pray for our leaders. May we pray for our president and our vice president-to-be. May we pray for the Congress. I mean, you think about all that they have on their plate that they will be making decisions about in these days ahead. Decisions about foreign affairs. What to do with Russia. What to do with China. What to do with North Korea. What to do with ISIS? How are we to be with Israel and all of the Middle East? Our leaders need our prayers desperately. 
and their decisions about the Supreme Court vacancy and who will sit in that seat. Our leaders need our prayers desperately. And decisions about the economy and the immigration issues and on that list goes of the things that are on the table of what they will be deciding in these days ahead. It is our responsibility to pray for them as they need it so desperately. And from today's reading, if you've read it this morning, chapter 9 of Psalms, verse 17, it says, The wicked are turned back and sent to Sheol. This is the destiny of all the nations that ignore God. What is the destiny of the nations that ignore God? Death. And we have ignored God for too long. And so it is our responsibility as Christians to try and turn that around. And I think it begins in the prayer closet as we cry out to God in behalf of our leaders, in behalf of our country as a whole, to pray for repentance across the land and that repentance would take place in our heart first. Let's pray. Would you take a moment and pray? for our country and would you pray for our 45th president to come and God whatever our feelings have been about this whole political arena may we just take the heart, the word that has been spoken today, that we should be, in fact, praying for our leaders. There was nothing said about praying for them if you like them. There was nothing said, pray for them if you're in agreement with them. It just simply said, pray for them. And I'm sure all of us here could find reason. say, you know, it should be different. He should be different. I don't like this. But Lord, just help us to pray. And Lord, as we read through your word these days ahead, would you speak to us? Would you convict us? Would you change us? Would you mold us into your likeness? We give you freedom to do that. May we read your word with an open heart listening ears.
break us. Make us into what you want us to be. Pray this in Jesus' name. Standing up. The thing about reading scripture is that some of us think it will make us better. The reality is, when you start reading scripture, you'll find out you're worse off than you thought you were. Really. Scripture does not, as far as our standing with God, it does not improve anything, us reading. But what scripture does do is it offers a solution. It says, here's Jesus. Jesus died for your sin so that you might have a right standing with God. It points us to the Savior. Forgiveness is not bought because I spend 15 minutes every day reading. Forgiveness was bought with the blood of Jesus. And if you need that, you come. Let's sing.